Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 16th of May, 2022, the 15th of ER 5782. Hope you are well, hope you are safe in your part of the world. Coming to you this morning from a beautiful Gush Etzion, Israel, Judea, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the Jewish people in the state of Israel. And this breaking news just in here, courtesy of Arut Sheva, Israel National News, a terror attack was foiled in Samaria early this morning when an Arab man armed with an axe was arrested en route to a planned attack. The terrorist, a resident of a village near Ramallah, arrested before dawn at the Tapuach Junction in Samaria, where we've seen many attacks in the past. He was driving through the checkpoint, uh, the junction rather, there, and uh, he aroused suspicion of the soldiers. Uh, and soldiers, the soldiers instructed him to pull over. They inspected his vehicle and they found an axe and a suicide note. The note detailed the terrorists' plan to murder Jews. Apparently he was driving around looking for Jews in Samaria and he was going to try to murder them with an axe knowing that he would be killed in the process. This was a suicide, an attempted suicide by axe. And we saw the head of Hamas several weeks ago encourage Arabs in Judea and Samaria to go out with their axes and their knives and attack Israeli civilians and soldiers. And here you have another brainwashed individual. Maybe he had something going on in his family. This happens often. And he decided, you know, I will clear my name by trying to murder a Jew. That way, instead of being... Uh, viewed as a who knows what, as a jerk in the eyes of my family, in the eyes of my parents, I will go down as what the Arabs call a martyr. The jihadists refer to as a martyr, someone who tries to murder Israelis um, to solve his problems. And we see that, we see that uh, all the time here. Thank God he was caught and uh, arrested by uh, Israeli soldiers. So that just happened uh, early here this morning. Very sad news over the weekend, reported here by JNS. A member of Israel's National Counterterrorism Unit, Yamam, was killed on Friday afternoon after being shot by an Arab terrorist in Jenin as part of maneuvers by the IDF, which is being referred to as a complex a complex and delicate operation. Sergeant Major Noam Raz, 47 years old, uh, died of his wounds, leaving behind a wife and six children. Six more orphans here in the state of Israel. Raz, since I believe 1999, was a member of this counterterrorism unit. And all these stories emerging now, how he saved many, many lives throughout his years. Uh, 23 years in the unit, just so many different people coming out and expressing the, their heartfelt sorrow and sharing stories of what a hero um, Raz, Noam Raz was. And I saw this video yesterday. Uh, you may know Ezri Tubi, a friend of mine who produces videos where I mean, hundreds at least, if not thousands of people were lining the roads leading from uh, the cemetery back to 
Raza's community in the Binyamin area, lining the roads to show their support with the family, waving Israeli flags. Just a really, really emotional tribute to this hero of Israel who gave his life defending the people of the state of Israel. Noam Raz was also a volunteer paramedic with the United Hatzalah organization serving in the Gush Shiloh area where he lived, according to a spokesman for the group. Just a very sad, sad um, state of affairs here in Israel. That's now 20 Israeli security personnel and civilians murdered over the last six weeks or so in this latest so-called wave. And this one, um, you, you could tell just what a special person he was from all the tributes coming in. So may God avenge his blood and the blood of all the others who were murdered here, uh, defending the land of Israel, living in the land of Israel, just trying to live as free Jews in the modern state of Israel. Or earlier on Friday, an IDF soldier shot and wounded another terrorist who had thrown a brick at an Israeli vehicle near the community of Bethel. That's also in Samaria, according to Israel Ayom. I saw the video of this as well. I mean, the guy came with this cinder block right up to a car on the highway, tried to smash the car, and then he tried to open the door of the car, obviously trying to murder those in the vehicle. I don't know if it was by chance or if this terrorist was being monitored, uh, monitored rather, but an IDF soldier was nearby and was able to neutralize the terrorist. They also found that he had a knife on him and a bottle of acid, so who knows what else he had in mind. Uh, doesn't look like he had good intentions, but, uh, but thank God this IDF soldier acted swiftly, neutralized the terrorist, and I'm sure this family in the car was shaken up, to put it mildly, but thank God they got out of there alive. All, all throughout the week, the world has been going crazy, just crazy over the death of an Al Jazeera journalist covering the IDF, carrying out anti-terror operations in Janin. I've seen, of course, from Al Jazeera, other media, even congressmen and the European Union, Hollywood actors and others, using their platform to blast Israel over the death of this journalist. But the thing is, they don't care about the death of Shireen Abu Akleh or what really happened. She's the Al Jazeera journalist. They are using this as another opportunity to try and defame and really to destroy the state of Israel. This is a propaganda war. And so many Israel haters, along with the ignoramuses out there, are accusing Israel of executing a journalist. Number one. Here today on this Monday, we don't know what happened. And without the bullet, we might never know. And the Palestinian Authority will not cooperate. They will not turn over that bullet. I wonder why. I wonder why when you had gunmen in Janine, terrorists in Janine, firing randomly in every direction. I wonder why they won't turn over that bullet, okay? But people need to understand, Israel does not target journalists, period. Do, mis do mistakes happen? Of course. Hundreds of journalists 
are killed in conflict, conflict zones around the world. Yet this story is in the news for a full week. Why? Because it's Israel. Three journalists recently, Fox News, were killed in the Ukraine, and it was in the news cycle for about 20 minutes. The death, her death, the Al Jazeera journalist has been sabotaged for anti-Israel anti rage, period. Sabotaged. They've taken this over and they've, they've, they do this time and time again. They find an incident and they run wild with it. And all the celebrities in the media, not everyone, but a lot of celebrities in media and whatnot, they buy this nonsense without even knowing the facts. And then came the funeral. And people went crazy again, blaming the Israeli police for disrespecting the body. Even local media here in Israel blamed the police for what they saw on their TV screens. But according to the Israeli police on Twitter, here's what happened. Number one. Plans for the funeral procession of Shireen Abu Akleh were coordinated in advance by the Israel police together with the family. On Friday, and this is key, Friday, 300 rioters arrived at St. Joseph Hospital in Jerusalem and prevented family members from loading the coffin onto the hearse to travel to the cemetery, as been planned and coordinated with the family in advance. Number three, instead, the mob threatened the driver of the hearse and proceeded to carry the coffin on an unplanned procession to the cemetery by foot. Number four, again, this is all on Twitter by the Israeli police. This went against the wishes of the family and the security coordination that had been planned to safeguard the large number of mourners. Five, Israel police instructed that the coffin be returned to the hearse, as did the European Union ambassador and Abu Akhle's own family, and the mob refused. Six, I'm almost done here. Israel police intervened to disperse the mob and prevent them from taking the coffin so that the funeral could proceed as planned in accordance with the wishes of the family. And finally, seven, during the riot that was instigated by the mob, glass bottles and other objects were thrown, resulting in the injury of both mourners and police officers. So if you want to blame the police, say they weren't professional, okay, Based on what you saw on that television, you saw that the coffin nearly fell and it doesn't look good for Israel. All those images I heard, I was watching the Al Jazeera feed and they were going crazy. Oh my gosh, look what the Israelis are doing and what a disaster and what an outrage. But listen to what the Israeli police said. Gangs showed up to the funeral and tried to hijack the event for their propaganda purses, uh, purposes, and they succeeded in doing so because it made Israel look bad. And in this propaganda war, not all the time, but many times we lose. We lose this war of public diplomacy because of the images people are seeing, even if they're not real, even if it, if it is fake, Okay, and here you have the police explaining the situation after the fact, but the Susan Sarandons and the European Union and all the rest of them are automatically, they're so obsessed with Israel. It's a crazy, sick obsession. These poor Fox News journalists who gave any care in the world about them. 20 minutes in the news and that's it.
But no, because Israel wasn't involved there in the Ukraine, but here they are involved. So, so many turn against Israel. And I give it up for all those uh, social media warriors getting the truth out there and debunking the lies which are being spewed against the, against the Jewish state time and time again. And here, one other story. Times of Israel reported an armed 19-year-old Arab. He went out to try to carry out a terror attack was arrested on Friday near the central Israeli town of Tzor Yitzchak, according to police. The suspect, who was in pre-1967 Israel illegally, was carrying a knife, and he also had a letter indicating his intention to carry out an attack. And thank God officers uh, scanned the area along Route 444, that's in the center of the country, after they received reports of a suspicious man walking around and he was arrested. Uh, Israel National News adds that the suspect 19-year-old resident of Tulkarim, who admitted he intended to carry out an attack in Suri Yitzchak in the Sharon, it's in, actually in the Sharon region, he entered through a gap in the fence and uh, he managed somehow to do so despite the increase in IDF forces along the so-called seam line after the attack several weeks ago, the murderous attack in B'nai Barak, but thank God, another averted disaster. Unfortunately, we have a lot of terror here, but in reality, 90, 95% of these attacks are thwarted. Thank God for, thank God for God, number one, and thank God, of course, for our brave members of the security establishment, the IDF, the border police, the anti-terror units, and everyone else working overtime, and I put that mildly, in order to prevent the next attack. Somehow, somehow with all of this going on, right? Daily attacks, everything is insane. JNS reported yesterday that Israel's coordinator of government activity in the territories announced that the era's border crossing between Israel and the Gaza Strip would reopen on Sunday. Israel sealed the crossing as well as crossings between Israel and PA-controlled areas on May 3rd preventing the flow of some 12,000 Arab workers from Gaza into Israel. The closures were in response to Hamas's role in stoking violence in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. So closing the borders makes sense to me. The decision to reopen the crossing was opposed by Just Justice Minister Gideon Saar, who said the move was unjustified at this time. In a tweet, Saar cited the ongoing incitement, which we talked about before, by Hamas and its leader, uh, yeah, Sinwar and said the terror group's leaders should be, quote, taken out of their comfort zone. Israel reopened crossings linking Israel to Judea and Samaria on May the 9th. So why do this? This is a victory for Hamas. When you reopen those crossings, Hamas claims that they won. They claim victory. We're able to incite. We're able to to take credit for terror attacks, even if they are responsible or not. We're able to praise the martyrs. We're able to do all this stuff, go on TV and call for the, the destruction of Israel and encourage people to take out machetes and knives. And what does Israel do? Israel backs down. So who gets the credit? Does Israel get credit for opening the crossings? No, Hamas gets credit. And that is why we have to change the mentality. We have to do exactly the opposite. And, and it might be painful in the beginning, 
And the people in Gaza might suffer in the beginning, but at the end of the day, these people need to know that Hamas is not looking out for their best interests. Israel, Israel is looking out for their interests more than Hamas. The pressure needs to be put on the people to want to overthrow Hamas, to get rid of Hamas once and for all. And I really think that's the only way it's going to happen. It has to come from within, because how many different military operations has Israel carried out in Gaza, and Hamas is still in power, and still producing weapons, and hijacking so-called humanitarian aid, which we provide them, which Israel provides them, they hijack it and divert it towards terror tunnels and towards the manufacturing of rockets. So, there you have that. There has to be change here, folks. We have to get our act together. Weakness breeds terror. Strength deters terror. And it's really, really that simple. Israel National News reported yesterday the IDF spokesman's unit released the name and photograph of IDF officer Lieutenant Colonel Mahmoud Khir Ildan, Ildin, rather, who fell during operational activity in Gaza at the age of 41. He is a Druze member of the IDF, um, served as an officer, combat soldier. He fell during a special operation. I actually remember this very well in Gaza. Israeli security forces snuck into Gaza on Tuesday, November 11, 2018. Uh, this is the first time that his identity has been uh, revealed. He was praised for a high level of leadership, composure, responsibility, and bravery under fire, protecting other soldiers, and unfortunately losing his life in the process. May God avenge his blood, a loyal Druze IDF member who fell in battle in 2018. The Jerusalem Post reports, U.S. President Joe Biden on Friday met with King Abdullah II of Jordan and reaffirmed the close and enduring nature of the friendship between the U.S. and Jordan, according to the White House. According to the statement, uh, President Biden affirmed his strong support, of course, for a two-state solution to the so-called Israeli-Palestinian conflict and cited the need to preserve the historic status quo at the Haram al-Sharif slash Temple Mount. The president also recognized the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan's crucial role as the custodian of Muslim holy places in Jerusalem, the White House said. This is where we're headed, folks. It's really all our fault not exercising our sovereignty over the Temple Mount. So maybe I shouldn't blame President Biden or the U.S. for this. Maybe we should be looking inside, looking in the mirror, and blaming ourselves for not exercising sovereignty over the Temple Mount, that the so-called status quo remains in place. In other words, Muslims can pray, but non-Muslims, Jews and Christians and whoever, cannot pray on the Temple Mount. And again, this push for a two-state solution, and they want more Jordanian Waqf members up there. I mean, if we're the sovereign, this is our holiest site. Why aren't we exhibiting our and enforcing our sovereignty over the Temple Mount? So maybe I shouldn't blame the president of the United States. Maybe we should be blaming, uh, blaming ourselves. Some good news here. 15 families moved into a building in Hebron, according to the Jerusalem Post, which... Um, which the Jewish community purchased 
and has been accessing for close to a month. We are continuing the Zionist endeavor of redeeming the land, said Shlomo Levinger, who is a representative of the families and of the Harchevi group responsible for the project. Bottom line, 15 families moving into a building in Hebron, purchased legally uh, from Arabs, and people are not happy about it. The so-called left, upset, members of Knesset, from the Merits Party and others upset that Jews are building and thriving and growing and living in the city of our forefathers in Hebron. They're not happy about it, and I hope that they are able to stay in the building. I know there are all types of protests against them. Uh, of course, there's nothing more natural than a Jew living in Judea or in Hebron, yet many others in Israel and around the world do not believe that to be the case. Our weekly anti-Semitism report comes to you from JNS, a Jewish teen walking in a heavily Jewish neighborhood in uh, Brooklyn, in the area of Midwood on, I think this is on Friday. He was hit in the face by an attacker because he would not say the words free Palestine. The victim and his friend, both 18-year-old yeshiva students, were walking down a busy street full of shops and restaurants when a group of teenagers began following them. One of the teens approached them and demanded that they say, quote, free Palestine. When the students ignored him, the assailant punched one of them in the eye, causing his eye to bleed. The victim was taken to the hospital. No arrests yet. New York State Senator Simcha Feldler represents the district is offering a $5,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and prosecution of the attacker. Again, Brooklyn, Jews, identifiable as Jews, being beaten up in the streets. Um, two other attacks within the week, including an attack in Crown Heights, also a neighborhood of Brooklyn in which a rabbi was beaten by a man who yelled, the Nazis should have killed you Jews. That's the situation, not in the middle of uh, the European Union somewhere or in the middle of Montana, in the middle of who knows where, where there are no Jews. This is in Brooklyn, where there are many, many Jews. And this is happening. This is the reality. It happens on a daily, nearly a daily basis, certainly on a weekly basis. But that's what's going on in Brooklyn. Uh, we want to finish on a positive note here. Uh, Israel 21C, Abigail Klein Leichman, who actually I had the privilege of meeting several weeks ago. Very nice, uh, very nice woman, amazing journalist. She reports here that almost every household, again, Israel 21C, almost every household has a thermometer in the medicine cabinet. Pop it under your tongue to check your temperature. Couldn't be easier. However, an Israeli company called OmniSense is upgrading the basic thermometer into a remote health tracking device. It measures not only body temperature, but respiratory rate, pulse rate, ECG, and blood oxygen. This is designed by Tammuz Product Design out of Farsaba. And uh, the article goes on to explain how this device works from, uh, from the company OmniSense where you have basically it's like a four-in-one temperature, blood oxygen, respiratory rate, pulse, all maybe a five-in-one, all this stuff. Bottom line is here is Israeli technology, which I'm sure this device will one day be used all across the world, not just to take temperature, but all these other things. 
And as I say on a regular basis, if you're a BDS Israel hater, do not use this Tammuz product design, this Omnisense device. Do not use it. Again, to be clear, the company is Omnisense, designed by Tammuz product design in Krasaba. These are two Israeli companies working together on this, just to be clear. But the bottom line is, if you're a BDS Israel hater, do not be a hypocrite. Do not use this all-in-one thermometer, oxygen checker, whatever, all the different things it does. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't use products from Israel. If you're going to bash Israel, don't turn around and say, hey, we need to go out and get one of these Omnisense thermometers slash devices that can check respiratory rate, pulse rate, all this other stuff. Don't be a don't be a hypocrite. Don't use these devices and throw away your cell phone and your computer and everything else. Stick to your guns, folks. If you're going to be a hater, hate all the way. And that is number one. It's good news. The fact that Israel's producing this device, and also BDS haters out there, stay away. That's going to do it for today's show. Shout out to Ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein. My name is Josh Hasten. Get in touch with me during the week. Josh at thelandofisrael.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Most importantly, between now and when we speak again, please God, next week, everyone in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Coming to you once again from Gush Etzion, Israel, Judea. Nothing more natural, folks, than Jews living in Judea, just south of Jerusalem, our eternal and undividable capital capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Wishing everyone a great week. Be safe. Shalom, shalom from Gush Etzion, Israel. The question is, why are the Jews there in the first place? The Jewish people have been yearning to return to their ancient homeland for a long time. The Yishai Fleischer Show, the voice of a new generation of pro-Israel activists. And there's only two kinds of minorities in the Middle East, armed or unarmed. Inspiring minds to think differently. That jihadism doesn't just attack Jews. It attacks Christians, and it mostly attacks Muslims. Inspiration, spirituality, and politics. So first and foremost, this country is here to defend Jewish people and to live in its ancestral homeland. Listen to the Yishai Fleischer Show every week on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.